Good morning, family. How are you all now that you're all able to get down your driveways and avoid the ice and all of that? Amen. Yes. <laughs> Never thought you'd be so happy for cold and rainy, would did you? <laughs> After all of that ice. Um, well, we have been in a series, we started last week, called Leaky Faith. Uh, it's all about, you know, um, kind of evangelism in the world today. Uh, and so much of that is about kind of leaking Jesus out into our world in so many ways. And we talked about how um, what leaks out of us needs to be sweet, right? And we talked about uh, sweet biscuits and honey. How many of you got your packet of honey? Did you get it when you went out? Yeah. How many of you had sweet biscuits and honey sometimes this, this week? Oh yeah, several of you <laughs> kind of did that. Several of you came up to me afterwards and talked about other things to put on there that were, that were sweet. So that was, uh, that was kind of uh, fun uh, as well. So um, uh, we're going to pick that up. But before we do that, I kind of need to have uh, a family meeting, right? You know, any of you have family meetings when you were a kid, you know, mom and dad, or maybe when your kids were growing up? Uh, usually that was a bad thing in my family, <laughs> but not always. And this is not a bad thing, actually. So, uh, but we do need to talk just a, a little bit um, about our campus refurbish kind of an update with this. And some of you have been around kind of know this sort of thing has been going on for a, a few years. A number of years ago, uh, we on the board realized that things were breaking down in our facility. You know, there would be a hot water heater here and a, a, a regular heater over there. And uh, there would be, you know, uh, roofs that needed to be done and all of that sort of thing. And so one day we looked around the church and we said, this building is 30 plus years old. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but as things get older, they don't work as well. Yeah, I'm not talking about the building anymore. I'm talking about, you know, uh, us. And so, and so um, we decided that, that we just needed to um, not remodel, but just kind of refurbish and bring things up to speed and, and do all of those uh, sorts of things uh, to kind of make it, to make it work better. Uh, and so uh, you can see part of it right here. See our window over there? Uh, one of the part of the original design of this building was to have a light on that, so as people came up the hill, they could see our, our beautiful stained glass window. But back then, the technology uh, wouldn't really allow it because the lights got way too hot. You couldn't leave them on all night. But with L LED lights, uh, we uh, we were going to do that. One of the things we're going to do is put new lighting uh, for the stage in here. And the first one that Kramer put up was that one. So uh, if you drive by at night, uh, you'll have an opportunity to see it uh, lit up. So. Um, the first phase was kind of facility maintenance. We started this a number of years ago, uh, and we've just done all kinds of things. I think we've replaced all of the roof uh, at some point or another. Uh, we've replaced, uh, this week, I think we're going to have the last two heaters in this building. There's like a ton of heaters in this building. We had heaters go out. I didn't even know we had, okay? Uh, and so uh, the last two of those are kind of kind of get finished up. Uh, those kinds of things. Uh, we've replaced toilets and faucets uh, and sealed the parking lot and fixed that all up and all of that, that sort of thing. This is the phase of it that has been the most frustrating to me because we have spent tons of money and you can't see any of it, okay? It's just, it's like, oh man. But you like it when it's warm in here, right? You know, you like that it doesn't leak and all, but you, you can't see that. And so that, that phase was always a little frustrating for me. So then a number of years ago, we kind of went into uh, the second phase, which was the lobby refresh and update, okay? Uh, and you can tell some of that. If you look down beneath you, there is 30-year-old carpet beneath you, right? If you look at carpet out there, it's much nicer, okay? So we did a thing where we put in the carpet 
carpet and uh, we painted in the church, all over the church, we painted the outside of, of the church and we put in the soft, cushy chairs. How many of you like the soft, cushy chairs? Yeah, good, you should raise your hand. I've seen some of you snoozing out there, okay, you know. Uh, and, and we put in the, uh, the, we moved the wall around and put some more panels in so that we could have kind of a coffee shop in there and all of those sorts of things. So uh, it looks much, much, much better uh, than it did. The TVs went in, uh, uh, just a bunch of stuff uh, like that. We bought a couple of hundred folding chairs. Uh, you remember the chairs we had before? Any of you remember? It was kind of like a lounger, only it wasn't a lounger because the seat would just go back in those. And so we've replaced, replaced those. Uh, and so now uh, we were kind of just starting into this when COVID hit. Uh, and so now we are in phase three. This is the one we just kind of started and then it all got stalled out through all of that. And so I just kind of wanted to bring you up to speed with what's happening. Uh, part of this we did during COVID when we put in the new sound system that, that works here and works for our live stream and all of that and some of the cameras uh, and some of those uh, pieces of it. Um, uh, and, but as we come into this part of it, this is the biggest, most expensive part, which is why we've been putting it off. Uh, and so uh, here's what's going to happen. Here's the things that we are refurbishing, you know, uh, we're not remodeling or moving any walls uh, in this place, uh, but, but we're going we're gonna to paint all the walls, right, because it's 30-year-old paint. It's time for it to get updated a little bit. Uh, we are going to put new carpet in here. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and here's the one that might be a little controversial, so don't kill me until I get done with all of this. We're going to have to replace the pews. <laughs> Some of you are excited. Some of you are grieving, Okay. And, and some of you that are going, why do we have to replace the pews? They are literally falling apart, okay? Kramer and I were in here the other day, and we were walking through one of the pews, and, and one of the main pieces that hold you guys up was just laying on the floor. It had just broke off and was on the floor, right? You know? And so I'm a little worried that somewhere in the middle of the sermon, one of these pews is going to collapse, right? Which would make a great YouTube video, but not a very good worship experience, okay? So... They're 30 years old, too. We have to move them to do lights, and when we do that, pieces fall off of them and all of that. And so we looked into replacing the pews, but that was astronomically expensive. We looked into recovering the pews, but that was even more expensive because it's, it's labor-intensive. And so after a lot of prayer uh, and, and the Lord kind of opened the door, we found the right seat, um, we, we just decided we just need to go to chairs in here. And what the... So we like that. These are pew chairs, so they hook together so it'll feel like a pew. You'll be able to see the, the separation, but you won't feel it, right? Uh, and we, we decided we needed to buy good chairs because some of us are a little older and we need a little better chair, amen? Okay, so, so we're going to uh, uh, do that. Um, we are putting a giant thing on when we talk to the uh, chair people. Uh, they said they might be able to get the chairs here by Easter, which is like, yay! And then we're like, that's like tomorrow. <laughs> you know? So it's on us really fast. Um, but, but the board asked me uh, to come to you. We have spent a lot of money in all of this. And now as we kind of come to this last thing, is, this is the big expensive one. So we're going to kind of have a drive. Uh, and, and we're going to have a thing out there like we did. Remember when, when uh, Reese did the thing with Sins of Kids at NYC, where you can, you can pull chairs off of the chart and you can buy yourself a chair. But you don't get to claim it as yours, okay? There will be no, that's my chair, right? That's just, that's not going to... I actually had that happen to me one time in ministry where someone came very upset because people were sitting in their spot. I wanted to say, you got a spot? Um, and so we want to encourage you, buy, you know, buy yourself a chair. It's not out there yet. I, we'll try and have it out next week. Um, 
buy, buy your friends a chair, buy chairs for visitors, uh, all of those sorts of things to help kind of defray the cost of, of what we're doing. This, this remodel will pull us down right to what our limit is. We have a limit that we don't spend under. It's the rainy day fund because we're conservative about these things, right? Uh, but, but the money we've saved is good. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just hoping that, that you guys uh, will get involved with that. I'm going to buy a chair, and I don't even hardly sit in them, okay? So uh, I want to encourage, because some of you sit in these chairs quite a bit, uh, encourage you to get in, involved with that. So it's exciting. It's a good family meeting, amen? I just can't wait. It'd be so cool. I don't want to sell Easter too much because I'm not sure we can get it done by then. But if not at Easter, shortly after Easter, you won't hardly recognize this place. It'll, it'll be a great place as God uh, works in all of that. And for those of you that are grieving uh, the loss of the pews, we have some ideas about how to help you with that that we'll talk about uh, a little later on. So I, I get that. It's a, it's a real thing, man. Uh, people put their heart and souls into, into all of this, and we want to honor that. So Last week, we kind of introduced the idea uh, of leaky faith and how we, we do that, and we kind of talked about kind of a purpose statement for this series, and that's this. Do life in such a way that people are attracted to the Jesus they see in you. Okay? Let's say that together. Do life in such a way that people are attracted to the Jesus they see in you. And I, I, I was really honest with you. I was traumatized growing up, knocking on doors saying, hey, do you know if you were to die tonight where you would go for eternity, right? Not a very appealing way to, way to win people. But this way, where we live in such a way that they see Jesus in us, that is attractive, okay? Um, and so we talked about the honey and the biscuits and all of that. Uh, and I'm glad that a number of people talked about doing that. Uh, this really came alive to me uh, on Monday morning when we had our staff meeting. And we were sitting back there in the staff meeting, kind of talking in my office. Uh, and uh, Chef Ann uh, kind of knocked on the door and opened it and started to roll in a cart. And this is what was on the cart. Yeah, sweetest staff meeting ever, okay? <laughs> Biscuits, that's honey back there, and butter, you know, so we could, and they were warm still. Um, we ate them <laughs> through all of that, so um, that part of it. So, and then the other part I wanted to tell you about, kind of when we tell people uh, and invite them to faith in Christ, here's the line I, I want to use, I try to use. I invite you into a transformational relationship with Jesus because we all want our lives transformed, amen? I mean, the old line was kind of the, the sin piece of it, but we live in a world, a secular world, where people don't even believe they're sinners, right? But they know they need transformation. They know that, okay? Uh, and so uh, when, when we talk about it, I say, I invite you into a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's uh, do our memory verse. Let's say it together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So what we want to talk about uh, this morning is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, are you all like fruit? Ever been called a fruit? No, don't, tell you, don't answer that question. So, so um, I always have this, this 
teacher thing I would have liked to have, liked to have been in some ways, uh, and not for all of the right reasons, for all the wrong reasons, because what teachers get to do is give you tests and test your knowledge and see if you've been paying attention. Preachers don't get to do that, okay? So this morning, we're going to give you a little bit of, an, uh, of a test to test your knowledge here, uh, and so uh, we'll see how, see how you do. So um, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get out of it? What kind of juice? Yeah, you don't just get any juice. You get, you get orange juice out of it. Uh, what, about when, oops, what about when you squeeze, when you put an apple press in, what do you get out of that? Absolutely, you're so smart. When you squeeze grapes, what do you get out of them? Wine, yeah, grape juice. <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble here. <laughs> Takes a little more process to get the wine, okay? You get grape juice, that's what you get out of this. That's all of that. So here, here's the question that, uh, that really is, probably sets this off for me. What comes out of a Jesus follower when you squeeze them? Yeah, that was a nasty turn, wasn't it? <laughs> You're thinking about wine and all of a sudden I'm... But it's the right question. What comes out of us when we get squeezed, you know? And, and we have a tendency, when the wrong thing comes out of it, to say, well, I was under pressure. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That, that, that's not really what it's about. There's, what comes out, what should come out of, of all of this? And, and here's what I know for sure. The type of fruit determines the kind of juice. Amen? And so when the wrong thing comes out of me, there's some concern that the wrong thing is in me. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is, is all about. The inside determines what comes out when the pressure is applied, both in fruit and in followers of Jesus. What leaks out is what matters in this business of following Jesus. Amen? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians 5, 16 through 24, and I'm going to bounce around a little in this. I'm not going to walk straight through it. Um, but So Paul has kind of been talking about walking uh, by the Spirit uh, and, and, in, and the fruit instead of the flesh, you know, and the flesh is used for kind of the sinful desire, the sinful uh, drive, the sinful I- impulse, and he kind of gives a list that I'll give to you a little bit later on. But let's jump in at the fun part first, okay? Let's, let's start with the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read this verse together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he goes on and says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Okay? So, so here's that list. Anybody think they got this down? You know, you just... You, Maybe one or two of those, maybe, you know. The, the, and, and here's the problem. The older I get, the more I realize how big the gap is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a part of it that there's, there's this, this gap for me. Uh, and, and I would love to dive into all of those, but I don't have time, and I want to kind of make the, the larger point. I do want to make a couple of observations. You'll notice that love is highlighted there, um, and that's because that's the most important one, okay? In, in Greek, the first thing they list is the most important one. So like if two people are together, you don't introduce the man first and then the woman. You introduce the most important person first and, and then the less, less important person. That's the way it works. So he puts love first because that's the foundation for everything else. If you don't have love, you're never going to get here, okay? 
I mean, 1 Corinthians, if you don't have love, you're a sounding gong. You're an irritating bell someplace in, in that process. And so he puts it first. Uh, and and uh, the other thing probably to notice, uh, it, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So these are a collective kind of thing, right? All of them together. It's like when you go to the grocery store and you don't get grape juice or apple juice, you get like a mix of all the different juices, right? It's kind of, you don't not sure what's all in there, but, that, but that's what this should be a unit for us uh, in, when, we, when we get all of that uh, together. Um, and then uh, lastly, um, this is a metaphor, okay? So sometimes when you have metaphors, the problem is some part of it kind of distracts you from the other part. Like that sermon I preached last week, and all of you were talking about biscuits and honey, right? Because you were all hungry, and I was torturing you in the middle of service. Okay, and it's easy to miss the point. But here's, it's important that we get it in here, and that's, this is the, what's important. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is about how the Spirit works in our lives, okay? how, how the, the, the fruit is produced. The whole passage is really about the Spirit of God in our lives, and, and, and that's, that's the important part. And the, fruit, the particulars of the fruit are important too, but the big part is it's the, the Spirit that's a, a, at work in all of this. And so um, let me just ask you, uh, if, how many of you are gardeners? You got a garden? Yeah. I, I am not but my wife has a green thumb, and I've watched her through the glass as she worked in the garden, you know, and so I picked up a few things here and there. <laughs> so here's what I want to ask you. What makes stuff grow when you plant them? Okay, think about where you are. God makes things grow. <laughs> God is the one that makes stuff grow. I, I mean, you, you cooperate with God, you know, you partner with him, you prepare the soil, you know, you till it, you water it, you fertilize, all those things you thought. But the end of the day, God is what makes things grow, okay? So here, let me just say that. And, and what applies in the, the physical world applies in the spiritual world. Fruit comes from our cooperation with the spirit. But it is the spirit that grows the fruit in you right? That's God's at working. You can't suddenly just go, I'm going to be patient, you know? And we've all tried that at some point in our life. And, but you need the Spirit to do a work in your heart. This is a spiritual thing. I don't know if you know this, but you come to church for spiritual teaching, right? You know? So that's why I said, where are you at? And you're all like, uh, I don't know. You know? So God does that, okay? Um, and, and so, um, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, okay? That come from our cooperation, and then in verse 16, which is before we got to the fruit of the Spirit thing, he says, here's the deal. We need to walk by the Spirit. If you want to grow fruit, okay, if, if you want that in your life, you got to prepare the ground, the ground of your life to, to receive what he wants to give you, to what God wants to, to grow in your life. So he starts out. So this is it. you got to walk by. This is what we would call our spiritual journey or our life journey. It's kind of the language we'd, we would use today. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the flesh are those things uh, that, that are sinful in our lives, that, that pull us uh, uh, away from all of those sorts of uh, things that are, that are good for us. And he gives a list we'll talk about in just uh, a little bit. Um, and so it's the spirit that 
Spirit works with you. And, and what that means is this. God's Spirit has the right to mess with you. Oh, yeah, there's a big ringing amen in that one, right? You know? God has the right to ask you to change. God has the right to ask you to grow. God has the right to put boundaries in your life and to ask you to step up and go to places that, that you wouldn't necessarily step up and you're going, Lord, I don't want to go there. You know? You've done that before, you know? Like your children do you, I don't want to go to bed. You know, and sometimes we do that with God. And so I'm just telling you, God has the right to mess with your life uh, by your walk with Christ in, in, in all that he is doing uh, in you. And so um, God's spirit grows spiritual fruit, but it's our responsibility to prepare the ground. Amen? Let me say that again. God's spirit grows spiritual fruit, but it's our responsibility to prepare the ground, to do the hard work of, of making that happen in our life, of being ready for what God wants to do. And here's the deal. God makes it grow, but we can hinder the growth. I can't make it grow, but I can get in the way of it growing by not cooperating with the Spirit, by working against the Spirit, by saying to God, no, by resisting His, His Spirit in all the ways that He speaks to it. And so, this is what I know from life experience. Growing spiritual fruit is a lot of work. And, you know, and I don't mean the taking out the trash work. I mean the work that God does in, in our hearts as we, we grow spiritually. It, it, it's just like any other garden. There's hard things that have to be done because God isn't going to just zap this into you, right? Wouldn't it be great if you could just declare a part of your lawn garden and then in the spring it would just grow with all the things you wanted? Woohoo! God, would you do that, you know? I mean, you could go to, your, go to your prayer closet and get on your knees and pray that God would just zap that section and wonderful fruit would grow. You know what you would have in the spring? A mess, <laughs> you know? It's just not the way God works. He engages us in, in the work of what he is doing, okay? And, and so... Just what we kind of said before, growing fruit takes time and lots of it. Lots of time to become. Like I said at the beginning, the, the longer I walk with God, the more I realize the gap between what I should be and, and what, I, what I am in, in my life. And, and so let me just ask you this. Anyone know how long it takes to grow an apple tree from seed to maturity? Here, five years. That is exactly correct. Seven to ten years. I just love it when Paul uses metaphors like that. Because I would like God to zap me with the fruit really quickly, you know. I'm going to work on this today, God. Could you get that new fruit delivered in my life by next week, please? I mean, Amazon can do it the next day, so, you know. By the way, another spiritual lesson, God is not Amazon. It doesn't work like that. There's a, a process, there's a life, and, and, and they lived in a world where that was important. I mean, we're so, we're so used to the quick and the now and all of that sort of thing that sometimes we get discouraged because God works with us over time, right? You know, when I need apples, I stop by Hagen's on the way home. You know, I go, I pick them out, and I do work for them because I go through the self-checkout, okay, you know? Maybe because I was in the grocery business a long time, so I'm comfortable with that. But, but it's going to take time. It's going to take years. I am inviting you on a process that will last the rest of your lives as you make the ground fertile for what God wants to do in you. You just don't become a mature follower of Jesus overnight. 
It's a long process. It's a journey. That's why Paul talked about walking with the Spirit, the journey. They had to walk everywhere they went, you know. They didn't get in a car and go boom down the street. They, they walked and they went and then they walked again and all of that. This is why Scripture warns us about putting new converts in places of leadership because maturity doesn't just happen. It takes time and work and all of that. And we often, I think, in the church confuse talent or charisma with spiritual maturity. And, and, and spiritual maturity takes... takes it's, I think that's why we see often young pastors in mega churches that fall. They got too far up too fast and they weren't ready for that and it gets them in trouble. And, and so maturity matters in, in Christ. So here's the deal. Here's the deal with this. There's a battle between flesh and God's spirit that goes on. That's what Paul's talking about, the flesh versus the fruit in, in this life. Uh, and he'd been talking about it for a while when he kind of came to this, uh, this passage. So here's what verse 17 says that kind of brings this out. Uh, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Okay, and we live with this in the spiritual realm, but we also live with this in every day, right? You know, uh, you already know this about me. I, I'm not a big fan of vegetables, and there are particular vegetables that I'm really not a big fan. And so when I'm hungry, I never think about, man, I should go get some cauliflower. <laughs> I'm thinking, I should get a Snickers, you know, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's got nuts in it, so it's got to have some good for you and somewhere in there. And that's what it's talking about, that, that these two don't work together, that flesh is that thing that is not good for you, that's destructive, and the Spirit is, is the one that is good for you and b- brings you into the life that, that He would have for you. In fact, the words here carry the idea of opposites. These are just completely opposed to one another because the flesh is the sinful part. And if I can give you a definition of, of that kind of thing, it, it is simply this. I think the idea is that flesh represents selfishness. It's been my experience that that's all sin is attached to selfishness in in some sort of way in our lives. And and I know some of us grew up with all kinds of ideas about sin and and all those sorts of things, and you listen to preachers go on and on and on, and you're just like, where do we land on this? So this is, would get me in trouble with my seminary professors, but here's kind of the way I think about sin in terms of practical things. That thing you know in your heart is wrong. Amen. You know, preacher didn't tell you it was wrong necessarily. Your mama didn't tell you. Your grandmother didn't slap you on the hand about it. But you know in your heart of hearts it's wrong. That it's selfish. That it's putting you ahead of others in, in some sort of, of way. And that thing you know is wrong, that, that flesh that, that moves me towards myself over my, the ones I love and towards uh, other people. So I, I think about it like this. There's a tug of war going on between our spirit, a tug of war going on for our spiritual well-being. That God's spirit is pulling you towards the fruit of the spirit and pulling you towards his control in your life. And the flesh is pulling us uh, away into all kinds of other sorts of things. Uh, and, and Paul would kind of talked about this idea and it's set up. And again, I'm simple. The tug of war kind of helps me uh, in that, um, that, that process of, of knowing how that works. So let me ask you the hard question now. When you get squeezed, what comes out? 
We don't answer it out loud. <laughs> and don't answer for your spouse or your children or anybody else, okay? When you get squeezed, what comes out? You know, maybe there was a time when you were close spiritually to God and it was like, ah, it was good. This, you know, you kind of drift away and, and you begin to notice that some of the stuff coming out of you is not the fruit of the Spirit. It's that, that other stuff. Paul said about this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Man, crucified's a strong word. I mean, this isn't a neat, easy death in your bed. Crucifixion was horrendous and, and horrible, and for the early Christians, it was deeply meaningful because Jesus had been, been crucified. It is the idea of putting to death without mercy the flesh, those things that draw you to the wrong place of ourselves. And, and so this is what I know about this. Preparing the ground for the life uh, of your life for the fruit of God's Spirit means dying to self. Say, dying to self. You know, um, the, the thing I hate worst about gardening is weeding. Anybody like weeding? Oh, man. I see several of you. We're going to pray for you guys, okay? Because the whole weeding thing, and, and it wouldn't be so bad if I could just do what I like to do, which is just pull the top off, right, and, and go on. But it turns out pulling the top off a weed doesn't kill it. You know, there's a root in there, and then like next week, it's right back again. And, and, and so in order to kill a weed, you gotta, you gotta go to the root of it. You can't just leave it hanging around. You can't cripple it. You have to actually kill it, kill it, kill it, okay? The, and, and that's the same thing in our lives, that the, there's a root of selfishness that we have that puts me over you and, and me over God and me over all of those sorts of things. And, and, and to get the ground prepared for what God wants to do in my heart, I have to kill that off. I have to die to myself, to the selfish part of it. And it's the hardest thing. I think in your spiritual life, dying to self is both the hardest thing and the most rewarding thing, Right? It's like children. Children are the most rewarding thing you've ever done in your life and the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Amen? You know, that's just the nature of it. In your spiritual life, the dying to self, I think, is that part of it. Um, there's a, a passage in the second chapter of Galatians where Paul talks about this a little bit more. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. You don't die alone, okay? Crucified with Christ, and I, am no and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I remember the time and place when I died to self, when I crucified myself, changed my life. It was in a district assembly of all things, a business meeting, right? You know, what, can God do things in business meeting? Well, actually, it was that evening when the preacher, the, the general superintendent, uh, preached. And uh, the general superintendent at the time was uh, Dr. Greathouse, one of the great theologians uh, of our church. And, and, and I don't remember a lot about the sermon, but I remember at some point in that sermon, he took a 
nasty turn and the spirits put the spotlight right on me. You ever been in a service where the spirit just puts a spotlight on you and it's like, he's preaching to me. How did he know about that? You know, that's what it was for me in, in that service. And I remember Dr. Greathouse talking about this business of dying to self. And he kind of drew this image as he, as he talked about Christ on the cross and that, that he allowed them to crucify him. They couldn't have crucified him had he not allowed it, right? He's God in the flesh. And then he kind of drew an image of taking a knife and just stabbing yourself in the heart and dying to self. And in that moment, I just knew God was speaking to me. I was about 17 years old and I was struggling with the call to preach. That was the thing in my life. I was perfectly willing to be a preacher so long as I could do it my way. (laughs) Selfishness. Sin. Fleshliness in our lives. And we had been negotiating for about a year and I was pretty sure I was winning until Dr. Greathouse drew that image of Christ who's crucified Christ crucified with me, me crucified with Christ, and the stabbing and the death. And in that moment, as I struggled with what was going on, and I was ready to go, I'm I'm not ready to go there, I I heard a voice, and some of you have heard this before, back and to the right of me, that said, go forward and die, or go back. And it was so apparent that I thought, who in the world is so rude as to say that to somebody in the middle of a service like that? And we were in like the 14th verse of Just As I Am. And I turned around, and there was nobody for like five rows. It's the only time in my life I've heard the voice of God. I'm not one of those people that, you know, everywhere and all that sort of thing. And I knew in that moment what hung in the balance. And I got up out of there and went forward. That was the day we did altar calls. And I knelt at that, that altar and my pastor came next to me and, and I just said, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want to do. Because I was really convinced that he was going to make me go to China and eat bugs. And I did not want to go to China and eat bugs. <laughs> so I know this sounds really, really silly and not very spiritual, but I said, God, I will go to China and eat bugs if you will fill me with your presence, if you'll bring the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I will follow you no matter what. And in that moment, this doesn't happen this way for everybody, but in that moment, it felt like God just hit me with water that just stopped the top of my head and down from my feet and, and, and all around me. And I was changed forever. I mean, I, 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 you know, sometimes people talk, well, once this happens to you, never sin again, right? I'm like, what world do you live in? I fail all the time, amen? You know, but here's what changed. There was no more rebellion against God. God is God, and I am not, okay? And, and I pledged to follow him. The, the prayer changed from let's negotiate this to if you'll make your will clear, I'll do it, even if it means going to China and eating bugs. And in that moment, everything changed in my life, and I grew so much faster spiritually. And so here's the deal. For the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives and leak to the world, we must die to self. Say die to self. To make Christ king of your life. To to let him have full control of everything in your life. And Jesus is the one that guides you in, in, in all things. And so this morning I want us to close with a song called Christ Be Magnified. If our musicians would come 
It's a great, powerful song. This, it's got words, here's the chorus. Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified. Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. You know what an altar is? An altar is the thing where you kill the sacrifice, right? You, you die to self, you die to that other thing. And, and the, the here is that I'm getting on the altar and I'm dying to myself. Christ be magnified in me. And as we sing that song, if Christ is talking to you about the need to die, would you just forget singing the song? Would you talk to God? Would you say, I'm willing, I'm willing, I will die to let you have control of my life and I'm putting you in charge. You're the king. Sometimes we talk about on the throne. I don't care about what the metaphor is. What I care about is this morning you have the opportunity to prepare the ground for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And I want you to have that. I so desire for you to have that. I can't make you do it. But I'm telling you, as someone that crossed the line a long time ago, it is the only way to live for Christ. And that's when the transformation comes in. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I've said this the best I know how. I so desire... Father, that you would move in the lives of, of our church, Father, and that, that in this morning when we've gathered to celebrate the fruit, Father, that you would help us to die to self, to prepare the ground, so that you might work in us those things you want to work in us, that you might use us in the ways you want to use us, Father. And so, Lord, I say again, I surrender all to you. May you be glorified in my life. May it not be about me in any way or shape. May you be magnified and lifted up. And I pray that for everyone here this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church family. Thank you so much for watching this video. We hope that God is inspiring you and working in your life. If so, make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video. And as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.